Hello and welcome. You are listening to Embodied Curiosity. In this show, we will explore self-compassion and holistic health through the lens of embodiment, intuition, nature connection, and neuroscience. I'm your host, Michaela, and I'm so excited for you to join me. Welcome back to Embodied Curiosity. Today's episode is with my friend Keith from Elements Embodied. Keith is on a quest to be more fully human. This quest led him from the Great Lakes to Germany and then to the Pacific Northwest where he is now feeling at home on the West Coast. A certified yoga teacher, a trained wilderness guide, and seasoned musician, Keith combines his unique talents and interests into immersive experiences that bring people into their whole selves, more aware, more connected, and more alive. Keith is passionate about the movement arts and experiencing the full range of motion in this human form. Through the interdisciplinary arts of music, movement, and the medicine of nature connection, he believes we can heal ourselves, our communities, and the natural world. In this episode, we catch up and discuss the big topic on everyone's mind, COVID-19. We are currently right in the middle of a global pandemic, and Keith and I discuss what has been coming up for us. We talk about our hopes for the future, ways we are feeling grateful, the silver linings that we may be experiencing. We discuss homesteading and nature connection. And finally, we dive into education reform, which is a shared interest of ours. Some of these topics are difficult to discuss, and it's a really challenging time for many right now. I see this episode as a snapshot of a time we will never forget, as our world is rapidly evolving and shifting. You can find out more about Keith on his website, elementsembodied.org, or follow along on his journey on Instagram at elements.embodied. Hi, Keith. Welcome to Embodied Curiosity. How's your day going? Hey, Michaela. So good to be here. I am doing quite lovely, actually. I'm feeling very... Um, alive and centered and curious. Nice. Yeah, I was wondering, um, normally I kind of go into talking about what you're curious about these days, but I actually want to start by just addressing, I guess, the elephant in the room, which is that we're in the middle of a global pandemic. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. And that's part of why I'm even here is like uh, the little bit of extra free time and home time is is re-motivating and recommitting me to some of these mm-hmm. kind of projects that get put aside, you know, so that's the, one of the, the silver linings. But I'm, I've just been really curious to ask you because I, I just always love your perspective on on the myth and the magic and the and the world. Um, I would love to hear what your thoughts are on like on what's going on, maybe just for you personally, or if you have any insights into the larger picture. Mm. Yeah, it is, the, <laughs> it is the it is the elephant in the room for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But it's almost like we we're so it's been actually a while 
with this elephant in the room, you know, it's been <laughs> like three weeks since some pretty like, yeah, final sort of decisions of like the stay in place sort of things. And like the, well, the social distancing has been in place for like a month now. So it almost seems normal at this point, you know, which is a mm. bizarre thing to say, cause it is a very serious thing. And, uh, it is a global pandemic, you know, by definition. And, um, but yeah, it's like in my life, it's, I sometimes have to re-presence that reality too. And obviously if you, you know, turn on the social media feeds and stuff, you are reminded, but yeah, often it's sort of like in my personal experience, it's felt like groundhog day, but also <laughs> like completely different every day too. <laughs> It's like yeah. this, the container is the same. Like I have this sort of same, um, yeah, lack of being able to go public places and going to work as normal. Um, so yeah, it's this weird, like reset of like, okay, well, everything's the same, but, and yet it's different every day. And I'm recreating this, you know, with this, um, it's a tableau rasa in a way, but there's still threads from the past that I can build on. Like, you know, like, um, trying to, yeah, take time to do the things that I want to do. And I, yeah, it's just been so interesting to like witness how different people relate to this sort of thing. Like, um, you know, some people on the very extreme end of like the, the serious nature of it and why aren't people taking it more serious and then people who are skeptical of it and then everywhere in between. Um, and really it's just shining it beyond what is actually happening. Cause I, I, sometimes I think we, we like to think we know what's happening because we're very well informed and there's a lot of information, but I think also like we have no idea what is truly happening. Um, even just in the nature that it's a microscopic thing too, that we can't see. So it's this unseen force and enemy that we're all, um, is shining, um, uh, light on all of our systems and relationships and way of being. So, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think time, you know, it'll be interesting to look back on this years from now, you know, and what truths came out and how we could have handled it better or worse or, you know, if we, I mean, I do believe we're always doing the best we can with the information we know at the time, but mm. obviously that seems different for different people. Yeah. Yeah, just for some context, I don't know when people will be listening to this, but it's it's Friday, April 3rd, 2020, mm -hmm. and uh, it just seems important to kind of state that because it, you know, I I look back at my journal over the last month and it's like insane the number of different phases and different ahas and different anxieties that have come up and how every day is like it's like a little microcosm like you said like mm -hmm. nothing happens yet so much happens you know um mm -hmm. i'm just looking at the numbers according to this one source that i look at sometimes and today 
right now there's over a million cases in the world and almost 60,000 deaths. So that's Hmm. what's happening right now. And it's interesting because we could have been here two weeks ago and those numbers would have been really different and they could be really different in two weeks, you know? So this is sort of a snapshot of where we're at now. Like you said, it's a month in. I actually like realize it's almost exactly a month since my school decided to go to close and to go remote. So Hmm. that was when it really hit hard for me. And even if I look at my journal, like there was times in late February where I was having some major um, anxieties around it. So it's, it is so true that even though, you know, it's the elephant in the room, it's, it's like the elephants kind of been chilling for a while now and it's, it's very comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> We're all just Definitely. used to looking at it and we, and, and different people, like you said, have different relationships with it and different, um, kind of epiphanies around it. And it's almost like we're going through like stages of grief or something around it. It's like denial and um, overwhelm and acceptance and numbness and all of it. So I agree with what you said completely. And something that really struck me was the, was the groundhog day thing. Cause, cause yeah, I, (laughs) I really feel like every day I'm like, I'm doing the same thing physically. Like I'm in the same place. I probably mm-hmm. pretty much go on the same walk and <laughs> kind of like, like we were talking about earlier, eat, eat the same thing over and over again. Cause I'm making both <laughs> meals. So it feels like a lot on repeat in, in the body, mm-hmm. but then in the mind and in the soul, even for me, at least I've been traveling far and wide <laughs> mm, <laughs> within, yeah. within that structure yeah that's a really good point for sure it's it's i think that is the dichotomy that i mean like ground yeah the groundhog days like physically i'm in the same space all the time and i do go between here um and the farm that i sort of um yeah will live at in the future but mostly um am just working at um and it's cool because it's a safe space to work. You know, I'm just working outside, mostly by myself or um, with people, with the same people all the time. Um, but yeah, I feel like a thought across my mind was like that where it, there's also this pervading paradox of like these two, uh, two opposites being true at the same time. Like... Um, you know, like some things are so serious, all you can do is laugh. And, you know, I've obviously there's been some really relieving like comedy that has come out during this and memes like in real time. Don't say the memes. Is, <laughs> the memes. The memes are memes. on point. <laughs> yeah. And people have more time than ever to get creative and extract that, you know, that sort of hilarity out of it. Um, but yeah, it is, it's very serious and it's like totally crazy and yeah. And it's actually been around too. You mentioned the context, like it's April 3rd, but the first I heard or the, the first case, I don't know that I heard of it right away that entered America and I think was in Seattle was, uh, January 21st, which is yeah. like, that's, <laughs> that's even a that's whole a long time ago. Yeah. month and a half beyond that too so 
yeah. And that, that whole idea of exponential growth, you know, and it just, just even that concept, I, I saw this graph of like, um, you know, the amount of exponential growth graphs we've seen since January. And that in itself was an exponential growth because it's like, yeah, yeah, these terms that are, have only been recently introduced like social distancing and, um, even quarantine and things of that nature are like everyday vocabulary. And, um, and like you said, grief is a big theme throughout all of it, you know, and, I found it very interesting, you know, in the symbology of like nature and, uh, the body and Eastern medicine and all that, that the, the meridian, you know, this, or this, um, disease is obviously affecting the lungs. Right. And it, it, the, the emotion that's associated with the lungs is grief. Um, in that in that meridian through Chinese medicine, and I just find that you know synchronistic or symbolic that obviously the before this one of the major global themes was like the rainforest burning and mm-hmm. uh, being cut down obviously throughout the years and just in, in Australia gen- the fires that was crazy yeah. too yeah and like that the the lung the lung chi of the whole planet, you know, is very much Mm. in in a traumatic state, you know, and Mm -hmm. in capitalism is rushing, you know, society is rushing so far ahead that it's hard to just stop and acknowledge that, you know, and now that we've stopped, like a lot of things are coming to the surface. So yeah, there is that micro macro, you know, that it's affecting individuals lungs and also Mm. is a, reflection of the lungs of the planet and then mm-hmm. viruses being a sort of actual metaphor for the earth's immune system um mm-hmm. so i think there's a yeah just in that mythic point of view you know there's a lot of useful themes um in that are worth looking into and worth connecting the dots for sure mm. yeah i've been thinking a lot about that too like the differences to the situation that were really, really different. You know, I think about like, obviously, this has prompted me to read about the the Spanish flu in the early 1900s, and and realizing that that actually really did impact young people and kids, and a lot of kids died, and old people died too. But it's interesting to me. I mean, I don't know what it's saying or means, but it's interesting to think about how, you know, the meme or the metaphor of it only impacting the elderly and maybe the sick. And that isn't fully true because there's viral load and there's a lot of, anyway, information. But the large mm-hmm. majority of people that are dying from this have pre-existing conditions or are elderly. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be an interesting thing. It's it's sad and horrible. And it, it says a lot about how we as a culture treat our elders, you know, and that generation. Um, Mm. and also our health. Like, I think that's the big thing that's coming up for me is like this, um, even though it's easy to see the, the virus as the enemy in some ways, the, the disease, 
the lifestyle diseases almost are a big part of why this is impacting people a lot too. So that's mm-hmm. like something that's hard to ignore. And in some ways that for me, like I have my own health stuff and it, it's been a really big direct motivator for me to take better care of my health. Mm-hmm. And my hope is that that's true for a lot of people that have dealt with health issues. It's like, it's easy to, to think like, Oh, I'll deal with that later. Or, you know, when it really, when, when it really gets bad, that's when I'll, you know, clean up my lifestyle or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is sort of a good, I mean, it's not good. It's terrifying. It's a terrifying reminder to mm-hmm. honor and take good care of this vessel, this body. Um, so that, that's been coming up for me too. Cause it seems like, um, yeah, it definitely seems like it's impacting people more. Again, there's plenty of people that are taking the best care of their body. I just want to make that disclaimer and that this still impacts. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to say it's anyone's fault, but it's, it's at least for me personally, it's, a, it's been a motivation to really take good care of my body. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to like, you know, speak, you know, both speak personally from where you're coming from and speak to the average human, the average statistical human, which in a way doesn't exist, you know, and is also totally like this such a big thing that it's hard for one human to fathom, you know, because that and that's part of what is hard about today and ages were made aware of these massive concepts, you know, from galaxies far, far away to just the nature of 8 billion people or however many are on the planet now. Um, and then how do you live your life as one human, you know, mm-hmm. in your home and taking care of your vessel? And yeah, it's certainly an indictment. I don't even know what that word truly means, but it, it, an audit. <laughs> I've heard it used, and so it sounds good in context. Um, an audit yeah, of, an of audit. our resi- of our resiliency, both personally and as as systems. And clearly, um, a lot of things are not resilient enough. Um, which is cl- like nature is resilient at its core. Um, it's able to withstand change. That's not to say that there's not like massive devastation that happens in the midst of that. And also on larger time scales, you know, like glacial time scales and things of that nature. So it's hard for us humans who live on a certain timeline to process like these bigger sweeping things. But, uh, yeah, it's def- like, you know, I find myself, uh, I made a leap to move over to the Olympic Peninsula out of the city. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely been a, I don't even know how to frame it, right? Like using words like positive and good is like really hard. In a global mm-hmm. pandemic, but it's like, um, it's been reassuring to know that my life out here um, and my priorities out here are largely the same, um, mm-hmm. as far and like as it relates to the farm. You know, my friends who are on the farm, like they live and work there every day, 
it hasn't changed their agenda. If anything, it's expedited it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that that's an interesting, it's a noticing, right? It's not good or bad. It's just like, well, noticing whose lives haven't changed as much or are more resilient to these external circumstances. And how can we learn from that and implement that more in more people's lives, right? It's not for everybody, mm -hmm. but I imagine a lot of people are gleaning Mm -hmm. um, things from that, you know, if they were on the fence of maybe <laughs> doing farming or moving to the country now or realizing how much things, how many things they can do remotely, um, <laughs> and how much they prioritize their family or their health or their body mm, over making mm -hmm. money, you know? So it's just like, there's all sorts of different ways you can value your life and you know, you may be making a lot of money, but your health has been sacrificed, which leaves you vulnerable to certain things. And again, it's not a good or a bad thing, right? It's just like, well, it just, it's, it's, it is. So what mm -hmm, now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the focus on resiliency. That's so big. And, and yeah, this is exactly why I wanted to ask you about this because, um, and I just want to make a plug for the farm that you're speaking of, which is white lotus in mm -hmm. in Chimicum and it's over on the Olympic Peninsula and and in particular they have really been inspiring me and it's already been a thing like ever since I heard that they purchased the property I was like ooh this feels like real like I, this mm -hmm. has been like kind of a fleeting dream for me but to see someone just do it is such an expander and it's such a mind opener for me. And then in this situation, it's like, it's, be, it's gone from like something in my five or 10 year plan to like, I have been watching <laughs> videos on how to purchase property. And like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this like ASAP. And that mm -hmm. again, I can only speak for myself, but I fully agree that this is uh, just like it, just like it gave me a, a little health wake up call. It gave mm -hmm. me like a life wake up call in like, you know, there's there, I have these dreams and I have these goals and I have this vision for this life that I want. And I, I also try to stay grounded in, in the present and be like really grateful for what I have. And in a lot of mm -hmm. ways, like, um, it's almost hard to admit this cause I know so many people are suffering, but in a lot of ways, even the situation I'm in right now, even though I'm in the city, um, I have roommates, I have a really great, beautiful yard, um, a great neighborhood for walking. I have dogs. I have a partner. Like I have, I am so, so, so blessed in this mm -hmm. situation. Um, I I'm able to work from home. I'm a teacher so I can teach from home. And, um, even though there's been a lot of fear and anxiety and I'm supporting a lot of other people's fears and anxieties, it's actually been a pretty easy transition for me because mm -hmm. of the way my life was already set up. Um, and, but it makes me think like, how can I, how can it be even better? And it, I, I think of, yeah, your situation and the, the farm and, and how amazing it would feel to have a lot of my own food growing in my own yard and to have the spaciousness and, and yeah, less noise, less pollution. I mean, even now in the city, it's like the air, I can actually tell the difference. The air feels mm -hmm. way fresher and cleaner and there's way less traffic. So you can just feel it. It's like, I'm in, 
it's like I'm on a hike deep in nature. Like it's that mm. kind of air and it's like in the city. So that's amazing. So I'm just like pointing out some silver linings with the full knowledge that like this is a really, really hard situation for people. There's people that still have to work and that are in very scary, terrifying situations, mm -hmm. like obviously healthcare workers, but definitely grocery store, restaurant, all, every, all the, my mom works for FedEx and it's every day, you know, every day she has to stress about this. So I fully am there with those people and have full compassion. It's, it's a really hard time. Um, but again, in my own personal life, it's an interesting, uh, what do you call it? Like juxtaposition <laughs> mm -hmm. to think about how just, just from the random roll of the dice or the random circumstances of the situation, how, um, for some people, uh, this is an easier transition, I guess is what I'm, I'm thinking. And I feel like I'm one of those people. I'm grateful. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, how to, we have to be able to um, mine the lessons out of this and the, and the joy um, out of this, you know, that's the Francis Weller philosophy of the ability to hold both grief in one hand and joy in the other and to be able to move forward with them both, you know, and sometimes there's time for just pure honesty or pure on, on, honoring of uh of the grief and the tragedy um the sacred nature and and the profane you know like yeah the walking with sacred and profane everything mm -hmm. is sacred and profane you know it's both mm -hmm. holy and divine and magical and real and tragic and um finite um but in and in that respect too it's like yeah, it, I both feel privileged, like I acknowledge my insane amount of privilege that I've sort of inherited um, mm -hmm. based on Huge, yeah. all these demographics that I represent, you know, like a white passing cis male, like grew up in lower middle class type deal. Um, but also like the things that I've earned too, you know, the things that are in my life that aren't necessarily privileges you know how do we acknowledge that too that i've actually get, given up a lot i've sacrificed mm -hmm. a lot of financial especially benefit to live a more resilient and authentic to me and in touch with nature lifestyle mm -hmm. so that's for yeah. me what is is really important and what i see as my role in representing is that yeah, I feel the same way. Where like largely my like, you know, and granted, like I was able to save up money for this to withstand bills mm -hmm. um, of that like imminent pressure and stress, which a lot of people are dealing with. Um, but yeah, largely like my day to day, besides not going to um, my normal place of work, is actually largely the same, and the life that I want to live really which is like close to my home um investing in the land and the people around me and not sort mm -hmm. of 
traveling to um, extract money from something that I don't believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like how do we, how do we both acknowledge our privilege and like sit in this place of like gratitude and, um, perspective that there's, there is a lot of hardship and a lot of people enduring things, um, that mm-hmm. I wouldn't wish upon anybody. Mm-hmm. And also like, what are the choices that put us in these positions? Um, and how can we move forward acknowledging that, you know, we may have to give up financial incentives in order to have more resiliency and more embodied um, presence and health. And like, you know, it's like you can't have 100% in all your categories. You can't be like Mm -hmm. the richest person in the world and have all the best relationships and have the healthiest body and have like the best garden, you know, like, so you got, <laughs> maybe, I mean, maybe <laughs> if you, if you pay Anything people possible. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah and it's, but and I it's, hear you. I hear you. It's like, yeah. you have to make sacrifices and trade-offs for the life you want to live. And, and in order to even know the life you want to live, you have to have that space to even contemplate that, you know? So yeah, totally. in some ways what I'm hoping, you know, best case scenario is that, if people can find a way to be supported, which hopefully that is happening with the new government stuff. I don't know how I feel about all that, but the Mm -hmm. point is if I'm an individual who is out of work and is now hopefully getting support through unemployment and that this is actually just going to be a time of a little bit more scarcity, but a lot more time and space than the the positive aspect of that is finally having the time to reflect mm. on what you want your life to look like. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. in itself is like, gives me chills to think that possibly millions of people are, are in that situation right now. Mm. And, and I'm grateful for that. I've been, I feel like, so I'm a teacher, you know, so I have summers off and I've worked most of the summers actually, but the last couple summers I've mostly taken off and, man speaking of privilege just wow it's mm-hmm. it's such such a gift and you know i've done i've done the work in those summers like i've gone so deep into i have so much farther to go but i've tried to go so deep into you know my intuition and into my soul calling and my purpose and just all of the getting to know myself self love all of it and I realized I wouldn't have been able to do that if I was working, working full time all year. So I just think like, wow, what, what a world, what would the world look like if everyone had that three months yeah. be with yourself? Yeah, exactly. So how, you know, like, again, it feels like we have, have to make disclaimers in order oh, yeah. to talk sure. about the the gifts within this, you know, mm-hmm. but like assume, you know, just again, which is why I like to make agreements with people and have sort of assumptions of like um, with people so we can get into those um, nuanced topics and those fruitful topics of, 
you know, so making those disclaimers of like non-judgment and uh, unconditional love and gratitude and privilege and perspective, and then move forward into that nuance of like, this is a gift, you know, it's again, it's whatever you want to make of it. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) it really is. And obviously people are again, it's so nuanced. So it's like, you know, even saying that I acknowledge where it's, it's, how is it not a gift, but where Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe it's better to say it has the potential for gifts. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's a really, it's a really hard, really hard topic to discuss. And like, you're catching me on a particularly positive day where I finally got a good night's sleep. You know, if you were to talk to me yesterday, (laughs) I would be like, how dare you say it's a gift, you know? So it's, it's, we all yeah. have our own ebbs and flows with how positive we can be about it. Yeah. And I, it, again, like you said, all like the most fruitful lessons to be learned are often in the midst of the most chaos or the most uncertainty or the most um, sadness and tragedy. And, yeah, like in a way I've I've wished for society to be able to just put a collective pause and be like what are we doing? Because mm-hmm. most of us don't. We've just in, we don't know. We've just inherited and mm-hmm. you know and I've spent a large part of my 20s like sort of putting myself in those liminal spaces mm-hmm. and giving up security and giving up certainty in order so that I could explore my, um, the traumas, um, both in my, both in my life personally of like, uh, that I've experienced in my lifetime. And then also the traumas of my lineage, you know, of my personal lineage, but then also like the traumas of our society, you know, and how we came Mm -hmm. to be. And, uh, so where's the space to acknowledge those past traumas too? Because I feel like they, if we don't acknowledge those past traumas, they circle back around and become, mm-hmm. you know, so that's where, that's where there's a lot of space for learning. I mean, like I, I'm, I haven't acknowledged, I'm, I'm a teacher as well. Like, and I teach because I love to learn, you know, and if we're mm-hmm. not learning from this, I don't know what else to like, what else to like, yeah. Where's, how is this a gift? It's because it's an opportunity to acknowledge your privilege or to acknowledge things that you left stones, you left unturned or relationships you left untended um, or systems that you want to reimagine, you know, like, there's a lot of mm-hmm. really good systems out there that are looking to be implemented, but the ones that are in place right now are so concrete, so mm-hmm. unwilling to change mm-hmm. that, you know, uh, it goes back to like the Chinese symbol of chaos is opportunity because when there's too much order, there's no opportunity to evolve or change. So, and there's mm-hmm. fact is, is there's always chaos happening. Um, mm-hmm. It just so happens that there's a lot more right now, which 
everything works in pairs. The more chaos there is, the more opportunity there is for pairs. And that's just not, that's not my, or, uh, more opportunity there is for change. And so that's not my opinion. Mm -hmm. That's just the reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. That's that's super interesting. Yeah. I mean, another perspective I was thinking while you were talking about the gift, the gifts is like, you know, for example, this could be shedding a light for people on, on some kind of political issue, right. That, that isn't a stone left unturned or it isn't their fault in any way, but like somehow people may be feeling really, really, really angry, you know, about things. And, and you could say the same thing about the anger you feel. It's like, it had to get so bad for maybe it had to get so bad for it to be a strong enough force of anger for, you know, something to really shift or for people to really stand up and, and fight for it. So that's, that's Mm -hmm. another possible gift in the, in the, in the challenge, you know, too, is that something had to be pushed to the extreme almost. And there's so much unveiling of just, yeah, like you, like you've been saying the, the fragility of our systems it's it's very it's becoming more clear to people who didn't want to see it before, you know. And yeah, we'll see. Yeah, exactly. We'll we see. We'll fast forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we inherited some craziness. <laughs> yeah, we we're so much of what we are working within are are what were not our cho- was not our choice, mm-hmm. you know. So it's giving it's it's always a choice. So we're. And this is a pivoting point. You know, there's always these black swans, as it were, that are sort of unpredictable, um, mm-hmm. but but inevitable mm-hmm. um, means that you cannot avoid them um, mm-hmm. that challenge the integrity of these systems. So, again, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a tragedy. By every sense of the definition and. How are we? I think what would compound the tragedy is by returning to exactly how things were before, or pretending that we can mm-hmm. return to how things were before. Because the fact is, is we we cannot return to the past, right? We not can't go back. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I get the sense of like returning normal in the sense of like mitigating chaos and death and. Um, helping people have a sense of stability, but I do I don't resonate with the idea of returning to normal in the sense of like, well, if only things were how they were before this, you know, this is mm-hmm. that opportunity to be like, is do we actually believe in this, or do we mm-hmm. want to do something different? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, your thing kind of froze for a second there, but. I think I got the gist of what you're saying. <laughs> I don't oh, yeah. know. It might be an internet thing. Um, yeah, the last thing I want to say on that is just um, I keep thinking the word uncertainty keeps coming up, and it's like this the big thing that I see kind of as a thread throughout is is we is this like inherited sense of certainty and and I think this has already been crumbling for a little. <laughs> probably a little while <laughs> before mm-hmm. all of this, but it, it's the looking straight in the face of uncertainty and realizing that that's all there ever was, you know, and that, that the illusion of certainty 
was never real. And so even though it felt safe, I mean, we just don't know. We don't know. Like you said in the very beginning, we don't know what's happening. We don't know who to listen to. Um, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or later today. You know, it'll be interesting to come back to this conversation in, in a month and see what's developed. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying, I'm trying my goal. And again, this isn't advice, but at least for me, I'm really trying to make friends with uncertainty, almost like thinking of it as like a playful entity that, that I'm just observing as it, as it creates the future or doesn't. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and it always comes back to gratitude and perspective as well as like the healing agents, you know, the, that no matter what help you find a place of grounding, no matter what it is, you know, grateful for the problems that I have, um, grateful for the chance to contribute, um, mm -hmm. to this. And that like everyone's work is different too. You know, sometimes I feel like there's a sense of guilt, right. And thinking of like how a lot of people like healthcare workers, especially are just on the front lines and they're contributing and dealing with, you know, hazards and risking, their health for the greater good. And I'm like, well, you know, who am I to, um, be enjoying any part of this? Mm. Um, but I feel like we need those people. We need the meditating monks on the mountain to hold that space so that there's something joyful to come back to. And for me, that's a lot of that is, is in education is in sort of contributing to reimagining our education systems. Um, but also a mm. large part of that is tending to the more than human world and creating a resilient piece of land where people can come in the future to heal and, mm. um, be in connection with themselves. So, and that's a sort of like, I would say like, what kind of garden are you, are you growing and what kind of, crop are you hoping to get out of it are you trying to grow radishes which are ready in 30 days you mm. know which which we all need to do we need we need that short-term um fruit to keep us going but also i'm working on a lot of things that are like the orchard approach where mm. it's like i may not actually see any return on mm -hmm. my work for three to five years in planting yeah. an apple tree which will not fruit for three to five years. But with the vision that in five years, I'll have more fruit than I could possibly deal with and we'll be able to spread it. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. On that, on that, I would love to transition to like, um, I mean, within the realm of what's happening right now, but in general, I feel like you and I have a lot of um, aligned philosophies on education <laughs> and education mm -hmm. reform and, um, we could probably have a whole nother episode on this, but I would love to hear like, what are some current things you're thinking about, um, around education, around education reform, around what kids really need right now? Hmm. Another big question. <laughs> yeah. Such a big question. Um, yeah. but a worthy one worthy of approaching, um, 
with uh, with resilience and with thoughtfulness for sure. You're right, and that question's going to change based on the developmental level of the kids. You know, what mm-hmm. do kids need? What do our um, tweens need? What do our adolescents need? Mm-hmm. Um, those are all, you know, nuanced in their own way. But I think the lo- like a big picture thing is again like this quote of a reference of like education is not solely to prepare people for life, but actually education is life itself. Mm, It's happening right now, you know? And so I think we, we all, as a society, it seems we have that priority is that, you know, like there's, we need to prepare ourselves for this uncertain future, which sort of ironic because actually in a way that's not what we do at all because we, our systems are so fragile that they're not. Um, <laughs> they're preparing for the past more than the future. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, it really is a preparing for the past. Um, I just think, yeah, it's, oh, man, there's so many, so yeah, many sorry, thoughts big, I have on the matter. Big question, yeah. No, no apologies. It's worth approaching, you know, and I'd love, and I, and I know we agree on so many of these things of, well, again, I like to approach it too from like, when we talk about education, if we're going to talk about education, like first we need to establish like what we're talking about. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's sort of like, that's how I, I'm, it's sort of like tedious to a point or like semantics sometimes, but like, okay, when you, when I talk to you about education, I sort of have an idea of what you mean by education. But if I talk to just some random person about education, mm-hmm. we may be speaking about two different things. Totally. <laughs> so I truly believe, you know, like Michael Mead, who's, uh, you know, someone I've worked with for a while and is a, a, a consider a, a mentor of mine mm, is, yeah, he, there. yeah, local, just amazing author. Um, if anyone wants like a really awesome perspective on the coronavirus situation, yeah, I, I mean, the little from bit a, I've heard, I haven't listened to all of them, but he has a few episodes from the last couple of weeks on his podcast. Yeah, it's so funny. I've I've like worked with his material so much over the years, and just like feel like. I see the world through his eyes almost in a way that I actually have not listened to any of the podcasts, but I can already imagine what he's talking about. Really great mythic archetype stories around it. Anyway, you were saying. Well, and I've listened to his podcast a ton. And again, what he would, what I hear him speaking through me in that answer to the question is like, educare means to lead out you know, to like Mm. unravel to that from within like a flower blooming sort of Mm. learning, sort of growing. Mm -hmm. Whereas oftentimes I think that gets confused with instruction, which Mm. is to pack it in, you know? So it's like, what are we, are we talking about? Mm. Are we talking about, you know, sort of, and there's a place for instruction too, like following directions and, like learning how to learning about certain systems. Um, you know, you got to learn the rules to break them. 
I, I believe to a certain extent, but also, yeah, that's a way to address like the average child and like hundreds and millions of children. Often mm-hmm. it's sort of the easiest way is to create something that sort of homogenizes them. But then to me, education is very personal and very individualized. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And every person you add to the equation is an, is not a linear sort of thing like, oh, I'm teaching one kid, I'm educating one kid, or I'm educating two, and now I'm educating 20. It's like, for me, that's exponential. It's like mm-hmm. geometry. When you when I'm speaking yeah. one-on-one, that's a whole different paradigm than when I have one, even one other person in the room, let alone 10. And for mm-hmm. me, it tends a lot, but most people in the public school system are dealing with like 20 completely unique souls that have different destinies. Yeah, 30 <laughs> to 40, too, is usually... Oh, my God. I yeah, think, I don't even... Yeah. That gives me a headache just thinking about. Mm. And that's just not yeah, how I work either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think like all the different levels are like little fractals of complexity for sure. Cause you could go so deep with one person and then to try and hold that amount of space for 10 people is like really impossible <laughs> for someone to do. So it just takes a different perspective. And then the learning is less about that individual and more about group work and collective and experience and community, which is also really valuable. But I agree. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think the like, average class size cool. is like 30, to 35 oh my god that's the average we got some serious problems going on uh class size is a really hard thing yeah and like how do we you're saying yeah go ahead sorry i was just saying like sort of referencing back to what we were talking about thought that crossed my mind is like how do we value these things you know if we if we say we value education but we tend to put a value in the society pretty strongly on money then mm. I would argue that we don't value it very much. Mm-hmm. Um, the market doesn't value it, at least, right? We may personally or, like, in theory, value education, but that doesn't is not reflected in the amount of money that people earn. And again, it's like, because I, what I'm referencing earlier was, like, you know, who is on the front lines? We got healthcare workers and grocery people, which are in a way two completely different <laughs> worlds. And mm-hmm. obviously healthcare workers have way more training and are in way more of a hazard thing. Um, but at least they're getting paid um, at least somewhat in a proportionate way to reflect that. Whereas mm-hmm. grocery workers is often considered like an unskilled position, but it's so crucial and important you know, and so it's interesting to mm-hmm. just acknowledge that they're they're in a way uh, at risk of many ve- of a lot of vectors, right? Uncountable numbers mm-hmm. of vectors of possibilities of infection um, or mm-hmm. transmission, and yet most of them, in in luckily in Seattle, most of them are probably getting fifteen bucks an hour, but mm-hmm. I imagine people in in the what is the federal minimum wage is 725 definitely oh geez yeah and so i can only imagine like having that much risk you know um and only being compensated that much i think that would mess with my psychology a lot Mm -hmm. 
that's it's really hard right now yeah and like anyway you were saying about education and and yeah the the almost it's almost like a joke at this point where people just know that teachers don't get paid that well so it's an interesting thing too because it's a similar thing where how important you know how important are they to the world and to the the future of our species (laughs) yet um yeah they're not it's not reflected in the numbers very much but there's some there's been some improvement on that a little bit in our state but hasn't impacted us little little alternative school people (laughs) as much but yeah yeah this this education topic has been coming up a lot because it's just like crazy to believe that like I mean, I think it's great that they closed schools because we had school while this was kind of going on. And it was like, yeah, kids can definitely spread this thing real quick. (laughs) Um, Mm. But it's interesting to be following. And there's a lot of like confusing information on what's going on. But to be following what's happening right now, like even just in our state, but I imagine in, in our whole country and in the whole world, there are millions of kids not in school right now. And missing months of school and do they're doing their very best to try and keep up by doing the Internet thing. But that's we had to basically invent that overnight. You know, in my school, we have such a small population of students that it's we're like we're like a more agile little speedboat versus like the cruise ship that is, you know, the whole state of Washington it's hard to change course so quickly. And so I really feel for those teachers and having to learn all new systems and then to also have to work within the crazy, insane, strict standards that are being imposed upon every school in this country. And, and anyway, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I hear things, rumors, maybe they're not going to have to make up all those days. Like maybe they're not going to be forcing everyone to keep up with, with their daily curriculum, it's a it's a crazy thing, but what I'm hoping, <laughs> and this is again where my opinion comes in, I'm hoping that we realize that there's this there's this meme going around. I'm just gonna use this to illustrate my point of the Titanic sinking. Have you seen that one? <laughs> the Titanic sinking, and then there's like the guys playing the violin and trying to make everyone feel good. And then there's a meme that says this is like what teachers are right now. It's like this, <laughs> we're trying to pretend like everything's normal as the ship sinks, you know, and it's totally just a joke. And I, I mean it with full a hundred percent massive respect for what teacher teachers are trying to do, but it, it does feel for me personally, it feels pointless to try and stuff learning down kids throats right now. Like the reality is from a psychology perspective, there's a lot of kids in a complete trauma space right now and Mm. are having so many fears come up and so much uncertainty and so much change and people dying. And it's so crazy for kids that can't really conceptualize this, that like the thought that we're forcing kids to try and memorize a bunch of random facts (laughs) that they can always just Google later, Mm -hmm. just blows my mind. (laughs) So I just want to point that out around Mm -hmm. education. Like, it just feels like it'd be best if we could kind of relax a bit on the standards during this time. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I know. It's like, we, and, you know, for context, 
like we we teach in environments and especially i i teach in a very non-standard environment where i'm mostly outside um Hmm. in nature with very little hard-lined curriculum Mm -hmm. in the sense of like yeah there's going to be a test on this or like (laughs) i have expectations you know i'm more of the 50 50 principle like i have a plan and then if half of it happens cool um but i expect half of it to be completely um emergent and i want it to be emergent Mm -hmm. um but yeah like I, i sort of had to like use my imagination to put myself in in that like basically when i was a kid like imagining myself in public school right now like what i was being taught and how i was being taught right in that sort of memorizing um, sort of mm-hmm. way and just like imagining that still happening and I was like wait does that still happen because I'm I'm so far removed from it and so yeah I, I'd be I'd be interested to talk with people who are in the more standard and be like so what is actually the expect is it still like are you still memorizing facts like especially from <laughs> home where it's like even more obvious that this is like not relevant to my experience right now. Like, yeah. Can we learn coping skills and learn, you know, life skills that are relevant and Mm -hmm. spacious and just spend time with our family without actually having to really be accountable to Mm -hmm. learning in the traditional sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I want to echo what you said. Like my school, the we have we use a loophole in the system a little, which is that the, all the kids register as homeschoolers, and so we don't have to worry about these standards and days, number of days a year, and certain learning targets. I mean, but I was trained as a public school teacher, and every single day there's a long list of requirements for every single class. So missing one day is a big deal. And that's why they add it to the end of the year. <laughs> and so I can't imagine what it would be like. I mean, I also want to talk to a teacher and hear their perspective because it's it's so much to expect that to stay the same. It's just so much work. Two months. It's been a month, you know, it's, it's going to be two months at least. It'll probably be till the end of the year. And I don't even know after that, but just to expect that much to happen, I, I've been... I've still been teaching online and I teach math and science mostly. And I said from the beginning to my kids, and this is in, you know, my administration is in full support of this. Like I, my number one priority for you guys is your mental health and like your well being. And I am only here to provide opportunities for doing something that might feel that might help you feel some normalcy. It's like, again, it's like the, the people mm-hmm. on the Titanic playing the violin. <laughs> like I'm still assigning yeah. math problems and practice and, and giving, you know, explanations. And I'm still trying to go about the class, but, but I make it really clear to them that like, they need to, they need to look inside and assess, is this making me feel better or worse? Is this supporting my mental health right now? Or is this making me suffer more? And that's, I will say it to them every time that that's my number one priority. And, and I wish that the education system could be 
that flexible because, because for some kids, you know, I want to just point out that like, I have students who really want to be continuing on and who, whether it's that they love math or they just want something that feels normal, or they just want something to take their mind off stuff. Like they're stoked to try different technologies and to like figure out new ways to learn. And they really like learning some of them. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not suggesting that we don't give kids opportunities to learn or don't teach them anything, but it's just interesting to think about. Yeah. Like you said, thinking back to when I was a kid and the paradigm I was in when I was in school was like, this is life or death. Like I need to do this work. I need to do well in this test. Like I'm going to literally be completely jobless and homeless and die if I don't get an A, you know, like that's how I felt. And that's the paradigm they're in. And it's like, what must be going through their minds now that, that there's no school and, Mm. and yet they're being expected and some of them to still be keeping this up in their own way. I don't know. It's just, it's just a lot. It's that's a a world of anxiety, I'm sure for the people in that world, but I'm hoping that being home and being together is giving some respite from that, giving some comfort yeah. yeah, and Topic. yeah, and what you what you said is so is so beautiful and is so relevant, you know, uh, to this very um, specific time that we're in, you know, and so, you know, it's almost like, yeah, what you said, like, you know, is, but what you said, I feel like should be the standard, not the exception, you know, mm-hmm. about like, is this my my top priority? is your mental health, you know, is the, is the health of your whole being. And that is actually my standard, uh, global pandemic or not, actually, you know, so it's almost like, yeah. So it like totally makes sense that you like say that in this circumstance and like people for which whom that's not the norm, they have sort of like compassion for that, right now but Mm -hmm. like i wonder someone for whom that is not the standard like would they be like how could how can you hear that and say that that shouldn't be the norm all the time because you're essentially saying by that not being the standard Mm -hmm. that that actually I, i am willing to push forth my agenda regardless of your mental health you know, and when yeah. you say it like that, so bluntly, <laughs> yeah. that's like, that's like a sort of obvious, like, whoa, well, not that. But then you're like, wait, um, but isn't that what's happening? Because like you said, there's no difference in your psychology when you're threatened, um, whether it's a real threat, like a physical threat of death or, or pain versus like a perceived threat. You know, and so that idea of failing or disappointing um, is does actually have physiological and psychological detriment to the individual, aka trauma. You know, Mm -hmm. like too much too soon, Mm -hmm. and and it's like, wait, okay, but we're talking about this as the norm. Yeah. So it's normal to be traumatized into succeeding by some sort of standard that I don't agree with in the first place. And that doesn't even seem to be relevant to a large Mm. extent. (laughs) I'm clapping. 
that's pretty much sums it up for <laughs> yeah. me. Um, again, like I feel like, wow, we could go on because I that just makes me want to riff off that and just talk about, yeah, exactly. Like what the perspective is probably if I don't make them do it, you know, then it's kind of like a tough love perspective. Like they are going to suffer because now so that they can be happy later and get a job and blah, 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 and be a part of society. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have lots of thoughts on that and, and, but that is the paradigm. And, and honestly, like I have a lot of complaints and critiques of the system. I, I think there's better ways, but I, I also just want to admit that I haven't come up with a, a viable solution, you know? So I just want to mm-hmm. kind of highlight that as like, I see a lot of ways it can improve in little ways. And I think the real, the puzzle is that we have so many kids <laughs> and <laughs> so it's like, there's not one, there isn't a model that fits everybody. And so that's why there isn't a solution. And there, you know, so it's like, there's some philosophical kind of shifts that we can make. Like, you know, I've done, I've gone to a lot of different progressive educator kind of workshops and conferences. And I, I've learned a lot about the, you know, how we can think differently and how we can push this to get better and better. And that's kind of all we can hope for right now. It feels like, like, I feel like Again, it's like the cruise ship. It's so hard to change course when this is how it's been. And but anyway, mm-hmm. this is this is an opportunity to really, again, just like we were reflecting on our health and our lifestyle. This is a good time for people to reflect on education and how it can be done differently because we're proving right now that that it can be done differently because we're doing it differently mm-hmm. because we have to, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's, an imp- that's an important thing to acknowledge of just being like. This is not, there's no prescription for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the point is because, and that's exactly. my, that's my issue with the system is that it, there we're sort of pretending that there is a prescription for everybody or that everyone has this goal of being like academically successful to be a professor. Cause that's how school is designed. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to be a professor or go get your master's or your PhD, like, it's designed from the time you're in kindergarten <laughs> to <Yeah. laughs> basically with that being the end goal. But we obviously know that that's not the goal or the reality for most people. And so how do we also have a beginner's mind and approach it from a way as like, what can I do? Like think, think global, act local kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Like how can I make an impact and nurture the relationships around me and be an example for other people, it's, again, I'm not here to convince anyone that they shouldn't go to public school or mm-hmm. that public schools are not doing their best because they are. They you really know, are, I have, yeah. I have so much empathy, and, and, I, and, I, and that's the reason why I want to continue to connect with you, because mm-hmm. we've sort of had the privilege and taken the time to step outside of that paradigm. And so we can add perspective that can help shift the cruise ship away from the glacier, you know, yeah. and play a violin while we're doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like we're creating the hopeful story because I think there's a lot of this is based on this, these kind of preconceived notions on what human nature is. Like humans don't like learning and humans need punishments and rewards and humans need da 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 da. But it's like we're basing that off of the last 150 years that school has existed. And so how do we even know Mm -hmm. 
human nature is anymore. And, and the only way you can really even know it is to see what's happening in systems where that isn't the case. And that's like places like my school or like the systems that you're checking out, like any alternative education system or homeschooling or unschooling really gives you a pause and makes you think differently about what we assume is human nature around learning. And yeah, I'm just con continuously amazed. Like I would have been skeptical too hearing all this, but like when you see it with your own eyes, I mean, I've been in this system for 12 years now and I've just seen countless numbers of, of kids, you know, regain their passion for learning or, um, yeah, follow, follow their own path and, and be successful. And it's not mm -hmm. what we think of as success maybe, but it, it is still successful. And, mm -hmm. and if you change what you're, like I was saying before, like what your end goal is instead of your end goal being A's and prestigious college or, some kind of job with some kind of income. Like, why don't we think a little bit more about the whole person is kind of the, the theme here mm. and having, having our goals be more aligned with what we want for our kids actually. Yeah. And on, and on, of a, and on a sort of like concluding, you know, summarizing viewpoint, like my philosophy on education is that no matter what you do in your life, no matter who, who you become down the line or what your profession is, you always need to learn um, what, I, what I used to think of as two different things. Um, and then I've since evolved into a third, right? Um, but my foundational educational philosophy is that you need to learn how to manage your resources which is your time, your energy, your community, your raw materials, um, money, um, et cetera, et cetera. It could be mm -hmm. hard, hard and fast, tangible resources or, you know, mental resources, emotional resources. You need to know how to manage those resources and then you know, need to know how to create value from them. You know, mm -hmm. like I have all these raw materials, but if I don't know how to create value from them, then they're not worth um, as much to me or as to someone else. Mm -hmm. So how do we manage resources and create value from those resources? And then, and then even if you can create value from resources, you need to be able to communicate that value or at least have mm -hmm. someone who can communicate it for you, which is essentially what marketing is. You know, it's like mm -hmm. being able to tell the story of why what you have is valuable. So, like, mm -hmm. that distills it down for me. No, and I don't, and I don't think that our school systems are designed with those principles in mind. Mm, I love that. Wow. And so much of the world is like, well, first I'll understand the world in my head and theoretically, and through someone else's eyes, or. But and then I'll experience it um, in my world. Whereas actually, I believe it's the opposite. You know, we can we can see theories and we can use those um, to apply to our lives. You know, because obviously, clearly, people have figured out things that are useful. Um, mm -hmm. But ultimately, we need to do what's best for our physical body, which is that we need we need to have regular bowel movements. <laughs> we need to. Yeah, yeah eat nourishing food. We need to um, lubricate our joints. And it reminded me of this um, 
Buddhism calendar quote, which is like, Buddhism has no room for special effort. Just be ordinary and nothing special. Eat and drink and move your bowels and pass water. And when you're Mm. tired, go to sleep. Fools Mm. will find me ridiculous, but the wise will understand. Mm, I love that. Wow. Yeah, and yeah. it's just been riffing Bringing on it back. The, Embodiment. <laughs> yeah, and that and and to me the body is the body of the earth is the soil. And if we're not re, if we're not regularly in contact or in relationship with the soil, we are fundamentally disembodied. Mm. Um and that often shows up for food for most people. And yeah, some summarizing thoughts too. I keep coming back to the Bill Mollison, who's the founder of Permaculture, which is although the problems of the world are increasingly complex, the solutions yeah. remain embarrassingly simple. Seriously. They're like yeah. right in front of us, right in front of our eyes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I love his work. Yeah. Mm. And he's a you know, he's a he's a white man who who essentially distilled down a lot of indigenous practices. So, you know, it's good to presence that lineage that he is an incredible human and did a lot to bring that into the mainstream and put it through the eyes of science and, um, and system thinking. But like Mm -hmm. this, this is something, this is not necessarily something we need to learn how to do. We need to remember uh, like our indigenous ancestors, all of us did agroforestry mm-hmm. where we're making, you know, working with nature to make it more resilient and to create abundance. Mm. Um, yeah. And to get more energy out of it than we're actually putting into it. Whereas we have the inverse, we are burning thou, you know, millions of years worth of sunlight in order to go throughout our days mm. and that is the fundamental disconnect i see is that we're living in a disproportionate relationship to how much one human can actually do in one day without mm-hmm. fossil fuels without stored up sunlight mm-hmm. you know and that when we come into more of that relationship of what's one person can do in their body with their body um i think you know, we have this perverted relationship with time, whereas John O'Donohue would say that time is the mother of presence. Mm. You know, and that we can be live in harmony with the original time of seasons, cycles, spirals, the moon, um, instead of being subject to it and oppressed mm. by it. So yeah, stress, as he would say, like the, the, the dirty kind of stress, (laughs) the ugly kind of stress, um, he would say is a perverted relationship with time. So bringing Mm. it back, like, you know, we're using time as a measurement and we're going to wrap up this conversation because we realize like we've given it enough time and Mm. (laughs) we've made agreements with, with time (laughs) and other things in our lives. And that's a beautiful thing. And it's good to know when to move on as well. Yeah. Oh, the time topic. We could go, <laughs> we could go far with that, but I love the presence. I'm glad you brought that up because 
I definitely have felt the effects of presence on time and the dilation of time through that. And, and I, I mean, this is part of why, I, you know, love the podcast format is I think, um, I'm not really concerned about, yeah, necessarily how long or short, but it's, it's cool to have a format that's audio that people can just take it in on more of a slow pace because I feel like things just are getting faster and faster. Like I even notice it in myself, like how, yeah, how it's, it's like easy to just like go to YouTube and turn it on double speed and just like try to consume like so much (laughs) in such a small amount of time. And that Mm -hmm. is like how social media feels. It's like, you're flipping through this like newsfeed and it's just constant tiny clips and even Mm -hmm. stories. Like I think like a lot of people, just like click through stories on Instagram and like, mm-hmm. don't wait till the end of the 15 second story, you know? So, <laughs> and I do the same thing. So I really like, I really appreciate the format of podcasts. I mean, like some people do like three or four hour podcasts and it's like mm-hmm. awesome. Cause that's like normal. I mean, I think conversations are just so rich and so great that mm-hmm. they could go on a while. I think the hardest part is bringing it back to the body is like sitting for this long, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. But I'm super glad to have like covered, you know, the current state of the world um, and riffed a little on education. I, I really do like strongly desire a entire episode on education. And I, cause I, oh, yeah. I know we could go so deep in into the philosophical and ancestral and uh, mythical realms around that. And, and yeah, I hope we planted a seed in, in some listeners on some of our radical ideas around that, around, mm-hmm. well, you know, prioritizing the well-being and the bodily well-being, especially. I mean, speaking of sitting in chairs, like kids have to sit in chairs all day for seven hours. And you don't even want to know some of the stories I've heard of of bathroom passes and the limits on taking care of your body. It's, it's, it's so so appalling to me and sad, but Mm. yeah, I think we're, we're aligned on that as well. Embodiment and being, and being encouraged to listen to your body. Like when you have to go to the bathroom (laughs) or when you Mm -hmm. have to stand up and move around, you know, that's like Mm -hmm. such a huge missing piece from, from everything. And it's almost like, it's borderline a conspiracy because like the the culture, the society is set up so well for people to not move. I just want to like give that some mm-hmm. space of thought because uh, yeah, I know movement, it movement ecology, sit, but yeah, but our but our system, it's it's the priority is efficiency and the minimum amount of effort, and I love. You know, just to plug another amazing human in this world that we both know of, Katie Bowman's work on movement and just mm-hmm. outsourcing movement like that. If we could go on and on, but that is a whole mm-hmm. nother deep dive. If anyone wants to look into her work, mm-hmm. she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm super grateful that you were able to hang out today and we got to catch up. This is an important friend catch up to that everyone gets to witness because I've been wanting to see how you're doing. And this is extra special when we can't see each other. You know, you're normally here um, visiting us on Mondays and 
Mm-hmm. We've missed your face. We've missed your face. George and Nala, say hi. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I definitely, yeah, that's, you know, we've had to give up things and that's definitely, you know, uh, been experiencing grief myself around that as much as I'm truly embracing this as much as possible and it sort of lends itself to my current goals this whole scenario of like working on the farm and working with the land um, mm-hmm. and building a tiny home, um, mm-hmm. building equity in my life and, and working on projects like podcasting and writing, it does lend the circumstances of not being able to go out sort of mm-hmm. lends itself. I mean, every great writer goes to the cabin in the woods and mm-hmm. holds themselves up um, even music artists do the same thing, you know, because it's sort it's a requirement to get these things done. So it lends itself to that. And, but it also comes with the sacrifices of, yeah, seeing, you know, my, seeing my family and my friend family, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was, I was supposed to be leaving pretty soon to go to Austin, Texas to see my oldest brother. And, so, you know, and that and or inviting my parents out, um, but also seeing my my actual flesh and blood brother who lives with you, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is such a gift that I get to see and work with him every week. And then also who, I you know, I consider you like my, my family um, by mm. every stretch. I'm not shy to say that, you know, not just in the length of time that I've known you, but mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, it's an ongoing conversation, you know, and that's partly mm-hmm. the, the deal with what I, you know, like you said, I'm excited to go into education and go deep on it, but also to respond to it in real time and to continue to work with it instead of, mm-hmm. I think that's sort of the flaw of public schools is that they've like thought of a prescription and a system that they hope will never have to change when in mm. fact like actually that is the problem is that it the world is a vastly different place than it was even five years ago 10 years ago it's exponential it's not Mm -hmm. linear and we're all feeling the weight of how fast things can change with exponential growth but it's always happening Mm -hmm. yeah you made me think of I, i think this was from the charles eisenstein article but there's this quote that maybe we can even end with that uh and I think this is where I heard it I wrote it down just because it was something I read recently it said it's Lao Tzu is that how you say his name Mm -hmm. men are born soft and supple dead they are stiff and hard plants are born tender and pliant dead they are brittle and dry thus whoever Mm -hmm. is stiff and inflexible is a disciple of death Whoever is soft and yielding is a disciple of life. Mm. What you said about education made me think of that. And just this ongoing conversation is like, it's the conversation itself is alive and will continue to flow. And thus is uncertainty. There's no, things are not dead quite Mm -hmm. yet. Yeah. That reminded me of this quote, this educational consultant named Tom Herrick. He goes, 21st century kids are being taught by 20th century adults using 19th century curriculum and techniques (laughs) on an 18th century calendar. 
Oh my god. It's so good. <laughs> There's so many good quotes. So deep. <laughs> uh, hey, yeah. well, can you tell me where I'm sure people are gonna be like, who's this guy and where can I hear more from him? Um, could you tell me where we could find you? Like where you'll be posting and writing and doing what you do? Yeah, for sure. Um physically at the moment I'm on the Olympic Peninsula. Um normally tending a garden of a homeschooled co-op in the Seattle area. Um, but I am mostly here and plan on being here in the Olympic Peninsula, working with White Lotus Farm and Inn, um, Cedar Root School, which is a sort of subset of the Wilderness Awareness School. Um, but yeah, online platforms currently under the avatar Elements Embodied, um, working with nature connection and these fundamental principles of life. So at Elements Embody on Instagram, elementsembody.org uh, is the website mm. I'm working on. Nice. And yeah. Yeah, just cool. trying trying to make trying to make things available, YouTube, you know, podcasting, all the all what is that? All the I don't even know. But channels. on the internet, in and around yeah. the internet. <laughs> All the, the different channels. Yeah, little streams. Yeah, I'm super grateful for your perspective, so I'm glad. I want to keep encouraging you. I know you and I, we both probably have little bits of hesitation or imposter syndrome or all the things that hold us back mm. from really fully sharing. And I just want us mm. to co-encourage each other to continue mm-hmm. sharing and uh, the people that will get something from what we have to say will find us in their own special way, just like they yeah. have in this, in this moment. And I will mm-hmm. write all of that, all of those details down in the show notes so that mm-hmm. people can find the spelling and such. Yeah, cool. Totally. Can't wait to check it out some more. Yeah. Well, happy Friday. Sometimes I forget what day of the week it is right now. It's just, it's just day. It's just Same. the day. Of the week. Yeah. <laughs> Another day. <laughs> Another day. And so sending, you know, health and healing and grounding to anyone who needs it, aka all of us, and especially mm. those who are feeling disembodied mm. or overwhelmed um, mm-hmm. and the earth. Mm-hmm. Thank you, earth. We're Thank you, earth. This. For sure. All right. Well, thank you. You are a blessing on this earth and grateful for you. Thank you for listening to Embodied Curiosity. I hope you picked up some valuable insights to inspire you to stay curious and embodied.